This edition of the HTC AfriCast is sponsored by ASUS. The all-new ASUS ZenBook 13 OLED sports ultra-thin bezels that flank a gorgeously vivid display. With Pantone validation and 100% coverage of the DCI-P3 color gamut, the ZenBook 13 OLED is a lightweight notebook that supports your on-the-go lifestyle. To find out more, go to www.asus.com forward slash ZA. Hello everybody and welcome to another edition of the AfriCast. My name is Brendan Lotz and joining me as always is Clinton Matos. Howdy. And Robin Lichetti. Howdy. You guys uh, enjoying Hot Girl Summer 2021? I thought uh, I thought we cancelled that because of uh, COVID. I thought oh. it was a hot lounge summer I, or something. I was, I'm just talking about how hot it is, like temperature-wise. I'm not talking about attractiveness or anything. Because it's it is boiling here in Johannesburg at the moment. I think uh, winter's over. <laughs> yeah, well and truly, like when your when your washing takes fifteen minutes to dry on a washing line, you know summer's here. Um, it's been a rather busy week, actually. Uh, well, this whole week, really. We've had uh, Apple announce some new tech, which we'll get to a bit later in this Africast. Uh, but something else that was rather interesting is SpaceX. Uh, launched four civilians into orbit. Um, the civilians did know they were going into space and they had agreed. They underwent training and a whole bunch of things. Uh, it wasn't like SpaceX was like, you four, come with us right now. Uh, the all-civilian crew is known as uh, Inspiration4 uh, and it's made up of some just ordinary folks. The commander of the, the mission is uh, Jared Isaacman. He's the founder and chief executive at Shift4 Payments, uh, a physician assistant at St. Jude's Children or St. Jude Children's Research Hospital uh, is serving as the chief medical officer. Chris Sembrowski who I think is is really just the most ordinary civilian on this flight. Uh, he's just a supporter of St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital. He's the mission specialist. Uh, and then Dr. Cian Proctor is an entrepreneur who makes use of Shift, uh, Shift for Payments, or Shift for Shop, rather. And she's serving as the mission pilot. Um, so this whole thing is being conducted to raise funds for St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital. Uh, and... They are doing that by taking a whole bunch of stuff up into space and then bringing it back down and auctioning it. Uh, one of the more notable things is a, a, a payload of hops, which are going to be used to, quote, brew an out-of-this-world beer uh, by <laughs> brewer Samuel Adams in the U.S. Um, in total, there's 165 kilograms of cargo aboard the Crew Dragon that the crew is on. Um, and if you didn't know, there's a Netflix series uh, on available to stream right now about this is called countdown inspiration for mission to space uh and yeah so the crew launched on thursday morning early thursday morning our time wednesday in the u.s um and the launch was a really big success uh as we always hope when launches uh, take place because last thing you want is a flaming rocket ship coming back down to earth um what I find really interesting about this entire mission, though, is that it is the furthest away from Earth 
that humans have been since the Hubble mission. Uh, the Inspiration4 crew is currently orbiting Earth at 585 kilometers away from the surface. Uh, to put that into perspective, the International Space Station orbits at a distance of 420 kilometers from Earth, uh, and the Hubble Space Telescope orbits at a distance of 540 kilometers. So a couple of things are happening during this, uh, this trip, and it's only 72 hours long. Uh, so they're not spending too much time up in space. Also, if you've seen the size of a crew dragon, uh, I, I personally don't think I could have spent three days in a, a space that small. Um, and yeah, very interesting. The crew is going to splash down back to Earth this weekend off the coast of Florida and yeah, completing the mission. I think it's really, really interesting and really cool to see some ordinary folks go up into space and spend a bit of time there. Um yeah, all of this, is, of course, is in aid of Elon Musk's dream of going to Mars and colonizing Mars. Uh, so, yeah, just some interesting stuff from SpaceX and NASA. It might I, was, uh, I was all aboard until you got to the part about the hops, which is... Uh, oh. <laughs> I know it's for charity, but that's very pretentious. And, it's really yeah. weird, right? I mean, what, yeah. what difference is it going to have in space? Maybe it'll be a bit more radiated. Yeah. Now with more radiation. That's exactly <laughs> what I like when I uh, ask for food. Is, is this radiated? <laughs> well, don't, don't they say that space smells like uh, burnt meat? So maybe that's what the beer will smell like. Oh, yeah, that's exactly what we need. Burnt meat smelling beer. Mm, delicious. Clinton, you've got some uh, you've got some thoughts about a game that was released this week, was it? Or was we got it our week? review copy for Deathloop on release day, so we're playing it along with a lot of other people. And it's been a mixed experience. Um, the game itself has been pretty fun. We put a few hours into it, and I'll have a, a full review soon. It depends. I, I try not to spoil myself for review, so I haven't looked out looked up how long it will take me. And also, this is a roguelike, uh, roguelite, whatever you want to call it. So sometimes these games can take very long. So I don't know when the review will be ready. I'm playing through it as fast as I can. Um, but the big problem has been technical in nature. So. Before the game even launched, they put out the final PC specs, and you need a newish machine to run this game. And anyone who knows anything about computers knows that in the last two years or so, it's been impossible to buy uh, components. Well, let me rephrase that. It's been impossible to buy components sensibly. Uh, overseas, it's very difficult to get parts because they're in low supply, because scalpers come and they buy up the stock. And in South Africa... Now, I have to be careful how I choose these words because uh, big companies can get angry at me. Um, the prices for the cards are so expensive in South Africa that they basically are priced out of sensibility. The prices of these cards in South Africa, even if you take the international recommended retail price and you double it, sometimes the South African price is more than double, which is just absolutely bonkers insane. So... A lot of people like myself are in a situation where, okay, this new game's out, but it requires brand new hardware and it's been impossible to buy brand new hardware for the last two years. So that was all before the game even came out. But now that the game is out, there are a lot of problems. Um, there is a lot of stuttering in the game. Uh, I've experienced it myself. This isn't just me reporting on what other people have said. I've experienced the stuttering. And the game has been review bombed because a lot of people assume that the um, stuttering is caused by Denuvo. Denuvo, how do you pronounce it? Yeah, Denuvo. And it hasn't been 100% confirmed that the anti-piracy measures are what is causing the stuttering. It could be the game engine. It could just be the game itself. But the game is being review-bombed because of that. And we've talked about review-bombing in the past. 
But all of that isn't really my problem. The big problem is that AMD put out an optional patch which almost broke my computer. The patch is... Um, sorry, I had it open here. Yeah? 21.9.2. Yeah. So they put out this patch, and like I said, it's optional. And that means there's two branches of drivers for people who don't know. There's the general release, and then there's optional. And the optional ones are basically like beta. They work, but they might not work 100%. They might be and unstable, if, yeah. Yeah, they might be unstable. And oh boy, was this unstable. It's <laughs> the most unstable drivers I've ever used in my life. And my PC couldn't play videos. It would um, freeze up when trying to do certain operations. VLC media player couldn't play any media, which I've never seen. VLC is such a solid piece of software. I've never seen it bug out like that. And after some troubleshooting, I determined it was this driver. I did a rollback and everything worked um, as intended again. So it's been a bit of a cluster F. Uh, I have to say, Deathloop has not had the best uh, birth, I would say. And I know those problems I just stated were from AMD, but when they released the, the software, a big hurrah was made about this being for Deathloop. And if you try to launch Deathloop without this driver, a warning would come up with, uh, saying, listen, you can run the game, but you really need this driver. So it's on Arcane Studios as well. It's not just AMD themselves. So I have a link to everything I mentioned, and maybe most importantly, I wrote up a, a very quick guide. It does. It takes like five minutes to do this. How to roll back from the twenty-one point nine point one drivers, which caused me so much harm, so many headaches. So yeah, uh, we'll have a review as soon as I can, and I hope things improve. Um, I hope AMD and Arcane work together and they get this all sorted out. But again, like I mentioned in the beginning. Nothing can help the fact that you can't buy uh, PC hardware for sensible prices anymore. Yeah, it's unfortunate yeah, that... Uh... Sorry, Rob. No, I was to say that was a little bit unfortunate to hear, considering I was also quite interested in this game as well. Uh, you mentioned Arcane Studios and uh, the Dishonored series. That's been great to play. Yeah. So I understand that there are obviously issues around uh, the PC elements of the game but as far as the actual story and, and how things are looking there is this how's that looking so uh, it's a it's a bit two-sided um on the one hand it's very it's very much in line with the dishonored games it's got a weird wacky alternate reality art deco pastiche which is a lot of words but i think if you've watched a trailer for this game you'll listen to what i just described and be like yeah clinton's got it right myself <laughs> on the back there so it's a really interesting world that i want to explore but you know, again, I'll have this in the review. I don't think there's a lot being done that's new in this game. I've seen all of this before. You know, it says, oh, you can do stealth, or you can go in loud and shoot people. It's like, yeah. <laughs> you, you guys <laughs> that's are usually how games work. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, but it's also roguelike, and if you die, you lose all your stuff. And we're like, yeah, the Binding of Isaac made that popular more than a decade ago. I, I understand. So it, it's good, and I understand why so many people have been giving it very high scores. It's been like, uh, it's been one of the biggest launches of the year in terms of critical reception. There's a lot of 10 out of 10 reviews for it, but I'm hoping that it's going to really click in the middle and late game. Maybe the start isn't as exciting as I could have hoped it was. It could have been. 
Maybe I was too much on the hype train for the game. And maybe it could be that I played too many roguelikes. So this formula is very, not boring to me, but it's very samey. So it's impressed me so far. But I don't know. I, I, I'm just not on board with people saying that it's a, like once in a lifetime, 10 out of 10 games so far. So it's fun, but it's not so life-changing as some people said it would be and for you robin and for people who aren't playing on pc i hear that the console performance is just fine so um again people can check out uh, some reviews that are out already some outlets did get review code before launch uh, we didn't so you can go check that out and if you are worried about performance you can look up a review for the console you have and you can check it out it's not on the switch it's only on the uh I was going to say the big boy consoles. It's only on <laughs> Xbox and PlayStation and PC. Right. Robin, uh, you got to chat to Spotify about its algorithm. Yeah. Um, so, as we all know, that uh, one of the big reasons why Spotify is so successful is that its algorithm and the recommendations that it helps to serve up to listeners uh, really kind of keeps you engaged on the platform. Um, so we got the opportunity to, spe- to speak to Spotify kind of around the algorithm. Obviously, it's like one of those things, um, one of those trade secrets, like uh, KFC's... Uh, uh, devices. They're not, yeah, they're not going to tell you everything. Uh, but we did have a chance to chat to Ziad Sultan. Uh, he's the Senior Director of Product for Personalization at Spotify. So he has very much a... a uh, a great overview as to how kind of how the algorithm uh, works and how his team tries to refine it over time, and yeah, so we we, we got a chance to chat to him. He made some really interesting uh, points and kind of illuminated a few elements for us. Uh, just the sheer size and scale of the, of the team that's kind of working on this example um, across the globe. Uh, Spotify has around about seven thousand employees that are working specifically on delivering a great audio streaming experience and a few hundred of them are focused purely as far as uh, recommendations and the algorithm goes. So they have a pretty large and dedicated team to kind of deliver this, which I guess is the core aspect of the platform. Uh, Without the great recommendations that it gives, um, people could very easily just go to a different platform because I don't think it's necessarily the library of music, but, but more how it is presented and how it kind of keeps you engaged. And that was kind of interesting elements he was able to point out for us. Mm. Um, yeah, he, he kind of explained to us that uh, how they keep on refining the process. So, for example, when Spotify was introduced in 2008, much of the music recommendations were based on categories, so the genre of music. But slowly over time, that's been refined. So they're looking at things like uh, the actual speed of the of the track itself, uh, the different type of instruments that are used, for example, and that can help to provide different kinds of recommendations. And and I can also kind of speak from my own personal experience in listening on Spotify. I am getting recommendations in my daily mixes for artists that I wouldn't necessarily have considered listening to before. So. Uh, Based on what uh, what um, is being told to us, what uh, Mr. Sultan is saying, it, it does seem like uh, Spotify are delivering uh, as far as the algorithm goes. And it's one of those things that will continue to be refined uh, over time uh, and will likely probably drive 
continue to drive success. So if you are interested in algorithms, uh, I, would, I, I, I would put money on saying that probably the Spotify algorithm is one of the most important, I wouldn't say important, but definitely one of the biggest as far as consumer technology goes. Um, and yeah, if you're kind of interested to kind of find out how those listening experiences are delivered, how personalization is driven in the platform, uh, without too many secrets being revealed, uh, yeah, it's well worth a read. Robin, without uh, you know stealing your thunder, I want everyone to go read Robin's story. But did you guys at all discuss uh, localization? Because that's something that a lot of artists talk about who aren't based in America or the UK. That they maybe don't get preference um, in their home countries over international artists. Did you guys speak about localization at all? So it's not necessarily localization, but um, what they try and do is um, cater the recommendations around what's happening, uh, quote-unquote, culturally. So say, for for example, something like the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, They were creating playlists and getting recommendations uh, and getting insights from the listeners around that kind of movement. And they were able to kind of personalize uh, recommendations from that perspective. But it isn't necessarily uh, geographically locked as far as the, the recommendations go, if that kind of makes sense. So it's not necessarily fixed to a region, but it's more kind of... Uh, and apologies for using this, but like I know this is a very like industry term, but like the zeitgeist, like kind of what's happening <laughs> out there at the moment. Yeah, and another thing is they they might do localization, but again, like Robin said, they might not have told us to keep that as an in- industry secret. So, yeah, I was just wondering if he specifically said that, but I can understand if he didn't talk about it, but it does exist somewhere in the code. But that's just me guessing. Well, this is yeah. A- th- I don't want to make this an ad for Spotify, but I I do think that they have. You, you hesitated to say it was the most important algorithm, Robin. I'm going to say that it is the most important algorithm, especially for recommendations. If if somebody like YouTube or Netflix could get a hold of an algorithm like this, they would dominate, just like Spotify yeah. does in the music streaming space. Because as uh, as somebody who loves music and wants to be exposed to stuff that I might have forgotten about or brand new artists, Spotify is fantastic for that. Like Discover Weekly, the release radar, like things that are tailored specifically for you. I don't think that there is an algorithm that is more important. Yeah, and I wanted to mention YouTube. uh, What's it called now? YouTube Music. music. Because I get that not for free, but I, I pay for YouTube Premium for YouTube, for videos. So I don't yeah. have to see adverts and I can support the people that I watch. And I'm very happy to pay that. It's one of the only streaming services that I just keep the subscription rolling. Um, and that comes with YouTube Music for free. And I use YouTube Music as my main listening platform, not for the algorithm, obviously, but because it supports um, audio-only listening of music which only exists as videos on YouTube. And wow. the reason for that is I like to listen to a lot of... Um, small artists and also uh, mashup artists to put multiple songs together. And the problem with mashup music is because of licensing, the people who make that content can't monetize it and put it on a platform like Spotify. Spotify yeah. So that's why that's, I, I'm sure some of them do and they might get in trouble. They might not, but that's my reason of why I mostly use uh, YouTube music. And I was just thinking 
they have that benefit over Spotify and on top of that, Google just being a bigger company. Um, so if they could nail an algorithm, like you said, Brendan, they would they would absolutely dominate and there's a lot of money on the table for all of this. So yeah, I 100% agree of that code is so important and like Robin alluded to in the beginning, it's almost more important than the music itself. Yeah. Yeah, I can kind of speak to my own experience. Like I was a big iTunes guy uh, a few years ago, um, but I always found myself listening to the same kind of music or the same artists. Mm-hmm. And again, this isn't an advert, uh, advert for Spotify, but hey, if you guys want to slip us some money, <laughs> yeah, we're, we're welcome. <laughs> welcome to pay us, Spotify. Yeah, but like uh, after maybe it was been like three years now of using Spotify, I'm listening to artists that I wouldn't have ever listened to before, and I think that's pretty cool. Um, so yeah, um, uh, really, I guess important algorithm, uh, just kind of interesting to see how it works and how it's refined over time and it probably will continue to be refined. I just want to make one final statement about Spotify. If you are listening to an artist, um, try and listen to a full album of theirs. Don't listen to playlists because single plays don't really earn that much for artists. So if you're a fan of local music and you want to support local artists, listen to full albums or at least go to the album and listen to the track there. And who knows, you might end up just listening to the whole album as it is. Um, Yeah, just a small little tip to help uh, the struggling and smaller artists out there. Uh, Don't listen to playlists, listen to full albums, even though playlists are what makes Spotify really. The all-new Asus ZenBook 13 OLED is designed to keep you connected. With an amazing 13-hour battery life, this notebook will keep you going even when you can't top it up. When you do need your notebook, a 49-minute charge will give you 60% charge, and at just 1.14 kilograms, the Asus ZenBook 13 OLED is the perfect fit for the road or office. To find out more, head to www.asus.com forward slash ZA. Right, let's get on to uh, another trillion dollar company. Well, I suppose Spotify isn't a trillion dollar company yet, but Apple is. And this week, Apple announced some new technology in what I am going to call its most boring presentation since the first iPhone was launched. Um, And uh, I think the first iPhone, I'm not saying that the first iPhone was bad. It was just a really exciting launch and everything from there has been exciting. But this one was, it left me especially wanting. Um, In case you don't know, Apple showed off two new iPads, a new Apple Watch, and four new iPhones. And we're going to dive into those starting with the iPads. So there are two new iPads, a new ninth generation full fat iPad and a new iPad mini. We're going to just touch on the the new ninth gen iPad. Um, It's pretty much very similar uh, in a lot of ways. It's now got a uh, a 12 megapixel ultra wide snapper in the front. Um, and then it's got a new piece of software that Apple calls Center Stage, which, uh, as Apple describes it, as users move around, Center Stage automatically pans the camera to keep them in view. When others join in, the camera detects them too and smoothly zooms out in to include them in the conversation. Uh, Center Stage makes video calls more natural in FaceTime as well as third-party video calling apps. Apple said in a statement, the display measures 10.2 inches and prices start at 329 US dollars in the US for the 64 gigabyte iteration. The one that I think most people are going to be interested in, however, not because it's a tablet, but because it could make for a decent uh, alternative to a smartphone is the iPad mini. Um, 
the iPad mini uh, now features an A15 Bionic chip, which is the latest silicon from Apple. This chip consists of a six-core CPU and a five-core GPU, although it's clocked down to four cores in the iPhones. We'll get to that a little bit later. Um, Apple says that this leads to a 40% CPU and 80% GPU performance increase compared to the previous iPad mini. You get the 12-megapixel camera up front, uh, and of course, you also get 5G connectivity and what I find interesting is that the port is no longer a lightning port, it's a USB Type-C port. Um, so this starts at $499 in the US, but in South Africa, we got word today from iStore uh, that prices start at 8999 Rand with pre-orders opening today. Um, and that's for the 64 gigabyte version with just Wi-Fi. Uh, if you want the iPad mini Wi-Fi and cellular, prices start at 11699 Um, Let's go around the room very quickly and see who's excited about what here. Robin, what do you think of the new iPad series or new iPad lineup? Yeah, I'm particularly interested in the iPad mini. Uh, I'm an iPad mini 4 owner since 2015 and it has never let me down. Uh, a couple of battery issues in the past year or two, but that's to be expected considering I use it every day, uh, whether I'm browsing the web or I have Netflix or Amazon Prime Video or something else mm. playing in the background. Um, yeah, it's just been a real, a really nice, I guess, accessory uh, to my usual kind of viewing experiences. So yeah, I've been uh, the latest one I'm really, really interested in, in checking out in person. And thank goodness they are adding Type-C connections. Yeah. And yourself, uh, Clinton? Man, that's expensive. <laughs> <laughs> um, they didn't mention, does South Africa get that uh, student pricing? I can dust off my old uh, university card and try get that. Well, I thought did not mention it in its press release to us. They <laughs> did not mention that. But I know that ISLO does have a education program. Yeah. So I think that you might be able to get this as part of that program. But I, once again, I'm not 100% sure. They yeah. didn't mention it specifically. I mean, I've been on the market looking for a good tablet for a while because um, I like to play uh, one or two trading card game games. Um, they work. They just work better on, an, on a tablet and uh, they're a bit hard to do on a on a phone and one of them doesn't even have official phone support so i've been wanting a tablet for a while and also for my parents because um both of them are in their mid-60s and trying to get them to use a windows machine and teach them from scratch would be difficult so i've been looking for a tablet but i'm just priced out of it with this uh even used and these new ones completely priced out but even if you look at the used market now it's just too expensive so the price kind of stands in the way and on top of everything i mean 5g the storage it's faster <laughs> all of that is kind of a of a much lesser concern to people like me who have been maybe looking at these products but are just so turned off by the price it's just ridiculous and i have heard that people say oh you get the price in the quality and then also some people say that People like my parents would find it easier to use an iPad over an Apple, uh, sorry, over an Android tablet, and that remains to be seen. But it's such, it's such a big ask, and I wasn't impressed. I wasn't, you know, dazzled enough to immediately grab the credit card and get one of these. So it's going to be a recurring thought as we go through this. But I just wasn't that impressed, and I wasn't at all reaching for the credit card. 
Yeah, uh, I think that's aside from the iPad Mini, which I really do think might be a decent alternative to a smartphone. Although I don't know, does the iPad Mini have a phone app, Robin? Uh, you can do FaceTime. Okay. Uh, unfortunately, my Mini Four is Wi-Fi only, so I'm not okay. too sure. You should be. I think you are able to. If I remember, my my, my parents have iPad Pros. And they're able to make calls and stuff like that. So you should be able to. But then again, walking around with a tablet and making calls, it's like those people that use their tablets to take photos. Oh, yeah. I just don't get it. Well, it doesn't make sense to me. It's funny you mention that, and we'll talk about it more when we discuss the iPhones. But, Brendan, if you want a phone, if you want a tablet to be your phone, folding devices are probably what you want. But then if we're talking about price... Um, yeah, that's a squarely off. out of my, my price range. Yeah, that's a, that's a discussion for another day. It's funny that this could be the cheaper option if you want a phone the size of a tablet. Yeah. Um, let's move on quickly because we've got a lot to get through. Clinton, uh, you covered the Apple Watch Series 7. You want to tell us a bit about that? The, the watch reveal was bookended um, by talk about software and software kind of became the focus instead of the hardware and when you're talking about the upgrades here being so incremental i kind of understand why apple did that yeah so the first software they talked about is watch os 8 which seems to be focused on cyclists that's a i don't know maybe it's a big target market for watch owners uh, they talked about how it can detect things like when you start your, your cycle and when you stop for a break, it will stop the exercise tracking. Um, they talked about if you fall off your bike, it can detect that. Um, if I'm falling off my bike, I don't need my watch to tell me I fell off my bike. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was a weird thing they were talking about. Um, they also alluded to a redesign. They made the buttons bigger. Um, yeah, it's just very incremental stuff with the new OS, and they really wanted to sell it to cyclists. It was a bit weird. Um, but if you go look at the new Series 7 watch, everything's a little bit better, and everything's a little bit bigger, and everything's a little bit quicker. Um, the screen, they've made it 20% bigger, uh, which... That's so negligible. That is uh, such a negligible like I, increase. Who I is going to notice that? I also think that if it's a device on your on your arm, and I've used smartwatches before, and some of them I've used them, and I thought the screen could be twenty percent bigger, but it also gets to the point where you don't want a huge screen yeah. because that might get, you know, not great. But then again, there are smaller watches that are for sale, so the screen is twenty percent bigger. But they then worked back um, and went to the Watch OS talk again, and they talked about the fact that. A lot of the apps have been redesigned to make better use of that space, which is very important. Uh, uh, smartwatch use is very irritating when you use an app that clearly isn't made for that watch mm. face and you just struggle trying to press tiny buttons. So even though they did hype up a lot of that 20% stretch and the fact that all the apps have been redesigned, they hyped it up a lot. But I think it's it's one of those Apple things where when you're in the middle of using it, you'll really appreciate it. So can't bag on them too much i just wish instead of saying x percent bigger and this many times fast and trillions of calculations i just wish they said oh, the screen is x inches and that's yeah. the, the the apps are now one inch big I, I just wish they did it like that so if you've used past watches and the screen has been too small i guess this will be nice um and there's some pro-consumer stuff here, such as the fact that all the uh, bands released for the watches are now 
they do work with this new one. Um, I can see Apple one day saying, this is the new Series 10 watch. None of your old things work with this new one. Mm. Uh, but they haven't done that yet. So for people who really like uh, just, you know, they've got a, a band for every outfit. And I know some people do do that. Uh, you'll be catered for here, which is nice. Your past purchases being forward applicable is always appreciated. They talked about the fact that there's 18 hours of uptime and you can go from uh, zero to 80% in 45 minutes, which isn't, that, that isn't really so impressive. Zero to 18, 45 minutes, maybe a few years ago, that would have been impressive. Mm. But phones and smart devices can charge much faster than that nowadays. So I don't know why they really typed that up when it wasn't that exciting. So, yeah, it's all incremental improvements. We don't have a localized price, I don't think yet. Um, I don't know. You guys might have gotten a press release I didn't no, get. Not but yet. It is $399, and that's starting at. And if you just do a direct conversion, it's 5700 but it's never direct conversion. You're yeah. probably looking at closer to 10000 when it comes here. So, again, we don't have pricing yet. And then they, like I said, they bookended it, and they went back to software. And the software this time is the Fitness Plus paid service. And I, I got a bit excited because even though I'm never going to use it, they said we're expanding to new countries. And I thought, come on, baby, show me South Africa. And then they didn't show South Africa. <laughs> so uh, that was that was a, a real disappointment. In the story, we all have links to all these stories we mentioned. I'm not going to read them out here, but they did come to a lot of countries. I'm just, I don't think any African countries were, maybe I missed them. I'm trying to read very fast. So I was very disappointed. No South African um, provisions for this. It seems SA just keeps getting passed over. We don't have a lot of the streaming services. We don't have services like this. We just kept being left in the dark. And when they said, oh, new countries, new countries, I kind of got very excited. And then we just got slapped in the face. And then also with Fitness Plus, it's a moot point. But let's talk about it quickly. They're bringing in a lot of exercises such as meditation, um, uh, what was the other one? Oh, this was very weird. This is the most bougie, rich, uh, rich white person thing I've ever heard. They have exercises intended to prepare you for the winter season. So when you get your friends <laughs> together and you go up to Aspen and you go skiing on the ex expensive mountain ranges, you you know that in the summer months you did your practices with your 10,000 Rand watch and your paid Fitness Plus program. I It's something I've never heard of exercises to prepare you for the winter season maybe if you're in a winter olympics athlete this could have some benefit but who is this for it's so weird it seems you know what it's, it sounds like i don't know if yeah. you guys maybe you do remember maybe you don't but many many years ago there used to be articles all around about how to prepare your car for winter um because like carburetors would freeze up it sounds like it's something that was taken from like pre-industrial era like how to prepare one's body for the cold winter months, and Apple's just like, yeah, we'll just we'll just breathe life into that again. Yeah, and again, I understand that in some countries it gets really cold, but in South Africa, it never really it never snows. Um, no, no, it does. It, it's <laughs> touch snows words. a few months ago, and it was like one centimeter. But but also, being prepared to ski isn't as important as saving my life if I hit some black ice on the highway. <laughs> so <laughs> it's it's all very weird. Uh, and the last thing was here, oh, uh, meditation oh, and group exercises. That was another thing they, they really sold where you can join virtually. This isn't in um, in person. If you have people 
all around the world and they all have fitness plus you can make a little group and do a study session uh, a study session an exercise session and also um you have your stats about what you're doing but you hide those from people you're exercising with which is good um that's also really great now for the pandemic because a lot of gyms are either still closed or they are open with a lot of restrictions in place so the group exercising is cool but for all the money you're pouring into this and the fact that you can't even do it in certain countries yeah so mostly software some incremental upgrades on the watch i'm still not swayed maybe if you're a big apple watch person there was something here that excited you but meh yeah and that sentiment continues as we get to the what i'm going to call the unluckiest phone release of the year uh the iphone 13 first off the fact that Apple went with iPhone 13 when the US has this really long history of fearing the number 13 uh, is astounding to me, but also shows me that maybe Apple doesn't really care too much about this release. Um, so why do I say that? Because not much has changed in the iPhone uh, series. Uh, first off, we get the iPhone 13, which is the base, and then the iPhone 13 mini, uh, which seem to now be Apple's entry-level phones. Uh, the iPhone 13 measures in at 6.1 inches, um, and the iPhone 13 mini is a bit smaller at 5.4 inches. Uh, both handsets now feature a Super Retina XDR display that can reach up to 1,200 nits in brightness outdoors. Uh, as mentioned, uh, the A15 Bionic is the chip of choice here, uh, but it consists of a 6-core CPU and a 4-core GPU. Uh, there's also the neural engine, which will be able to identify plants and all sorts of other AI and machine learning tasks uh, on your phone that uses 16 cores on the A15 Bionic uh, chip. Uh, at the back, you now have a dual camera system, which houses a 12 megapixel wide camera and a 12 megapixel ultra wide camera. Uh, and video, you can record video at up to 4K 60 frames per second with HDR turned on. Um, as I said, there's not much all that interesting. Uh, I do want to just highlight something that Apple wrote or said that the CPU is now 50% faster than the competition and the GPU is 30% faster than the competition. When they say competition, they mean the best-selling Android smartphone. And we were talking about this before we started recording this podcast, but that actually means nothing because the best-selling smartphone could be a 3,000 Rand entry-level handset from, I don't know, Xiaomi, let's say. right? Yeah. And that's the best-selling Android smartphone, which... When you compare it to Apple, which is not something we'd probably do in a review because they are two opposite ends of the, the pricing spectrum, um, of course the Apple is going to, to come out better. It's, uh, it's like, imagine Ferrari made a, a car and it said in, in a long way around, this car is much faster than a bus. It's like, yeah, of course it is. What do you mean? You saying it should be, it should be understood between... You, a multi-trillion dollar company, and me, an adult with a brain. Yeah. Uh, yeah, what a what a crock. Um, so one of the things that Apple talked up a lot, as with this entire presentation, was software. Um, there's not all that much in terms of the hardware that's different. You still have a lightning port. Um, we'll get to the one terabyte model. There's no satellite calling, as rumors suggested. Uh, but Apple did feature something that it calls cinematic 
mode, which kind of gives you the ability to do a pseudo rack focus on your iPhone. If you don't know what a rack focus is, uh, let's say you have two subjects in a shot, uh, one standing behind the other, you can focus on the subject in the front and then shift you rack focus to the subject at the back so that you kind of get a nice bokeh effect on the subject in front uh, and the subject behind the fur the front subject is clearer i hope i explained that correctly yeah they they showed it off in like i don't know what that was it was like a knives out parody <laughs> it was the worst knives out parody like having just recently watched knives out and then seeing that i just couldn't stop rolling my eyes I anyway said it looked like a porn parody in it very um but yeah, I suppose it looks very good. Apple then went on to talk about how this is going to change cinema. Or that was with the Pro Series, which we'll get to. Um, but yeah, I don't really see that this is something that is going to be a feature that folks are going to buy the iPhone for. Um, I, yeah, I, I just I don't think that's going to bring it in new customers. But then again, this whole presentation didn't feel like Apple was trying to get new customers. It really just felt like they... Uh, they were trying to sell to their existing customer base, which I suppose is what Apple is, is known for. Um, the what, one highlight, I suppose, is that uh, the the storage now starts at 128 gigabytes um, rather than 64 gigabytes. Prices start at 799 US dollars for the iPhone uh, 13 and then 699 for the iPhone 13 mini. We don't have South African pricing at this stage. Um, and we have asked iStore, they said that they will give it to us a bit closer to launch, which they also didn't, uh, really, well, they did tell us, I believe, uh, I'm telling, I'm telling pork pies here now. Um, they did say, uh, I believe it was sometime in October. Yes. 8th of October, the, uh, iPhone series will launch in South Africa. We don't have pricing yet though. Um, let's move on very quickly and then we'll discuss this is the iphone 13 pro and iphone 13 pro max uh once again these are apple's premier flagship uh smartphones the iphone 13 pro measures in at 6.1 inches while the iphone 13 pro max clocks in at seven or no, 6.7 inches rather um and the notches are slightly smaller than last year's iphone uh once again the a15 bionic is here in the same six core cpu four core gpu and 16 core neural engine system um the camera though is what the real uh the real pool is here uh the rear camera is a 12 megapixel a 12 megapixel telephoto a 12 megapixel ultra wide and a 12 megapixel wide uh sensor um the there's 3x optical zoom in 2x optical zoom out uh, which should be pretty useful and then digital zoom extends up to 15x uh there's also night mode is available on all cameras and i think the the biggest thing here is that you can shoot video at up to 4k 30 frames per second in pro res which is a file format that is used in professional videography and that sort of stuff and this is where apple once again pulled the thing over well this is going to change the cinematic world um, oh my God. <laughs> and I put out a tweet yesterday, which somebody responded to showing me, but uh, let me just, uh, so the tweet said, I believe that Apple uh, is changing, or iPhones are changing the cinematic world when Apple decides to film all of its marketing material and all of its presentations on an iPhone. Until then, I don't believe it. Uh, and somebody sent me a, a, an article that has a list of indie films uh, that have been filmed on an iPhone, which is all great and well, but what, like I said, 
when Apple uses its phones to uh, film its promo stuff and uh, do its live streams, then I'll believe that there is a new realm of cinema. Until then, I just think Apple's trying to talk up its product and doing marketing, uh, which it is absolutely allowed to do, but I don't buy it. I don't see, like, uh, what's his name, Villeneuve, filming uh, Dune on an iPhone. I just don't see that happening. Just purely because of the fact that a cinematic camera or DSLR is has way more features and way more capabilities than an iPhone will ever have. And that's all I'm saying on that. And they brought um, directors and directors of photography and they're like, this is going to change cinema. And they get somebody accomplished to say that at every Apple event. Absolutely. I mean, it's nothing new. I mean... Every few years we hear, oh, well, this is going to change fashion photography or this is going to change the way home movies are made or this is going to change how people use their phones. And what happens the next year? We get something else that is going to change the way people do things, but nothing actually really changes. Um, so the the one big highlight, I suppose, of this is that uh, – there is now a one terabyte model uh, in the Pro and Pro Max family. So that means that you now get a 128 gig, 256 gig, 512 gig, and one terabyte model in the iPhone Pro series. The iPhone 13 Pro starts at $999 in the US, and the iPhone Pro Max starts at $1,099 in the US as well. Uh, one last thing, sorry, because I found this was hilarious. Um, in terms of battery life, uh, the iPhone 13 Pro will last 1.5 hours longer, and the iPhone 13 Pro Max will last two and a half hours longer than the iPhone 12 Pro and iPhone 12 Pro Max, respectively. Which, once again, is so negligible, negligible I don't believe that anybody's going to notice the difference. Like, I'm not sitting here counting, well, you know, my phone died one hour later today. That's good. Uh, who keeps track of that stuff? Like, ah. Oh. Man, what is Apple? Apple just does marketing. That's what they do. They create like an okay phone and then just do excellent marketing around it. Let's talk a bit about the phones. Uh, Robin, what are your thoughts on this new slew of iPhones? Interested, not interested? I'd rather have a Huawei. Uh, interested because I like to review phones. Oh. Um, so that's really it. Uh, but I'm sure you guys have experienced this too. In the lead up to a Apple iPhone event mm. and a few days afterwards. Friends and family are usually saying, uh, should I upgrade? What do you think of the new iPhone? Should I, should I get it? And usually I say, uh, depends what your needs are. You know, it's, it's a lot of money. I'm not too sure with upgrading now. Maybe wait for the next one. Mm. For the iPhone 13, I would say definitely wait for what happens with the iPhone 14. Mm. I, I can see absolutely no difference, just from a visual perspective. I know they said that they, they've oriented the cameras diagonally on the back. Big whoop. Two out of ten people will probably notice that, if yeah. that. It's, it, it, Apple has always been this company that's talked about how innovative it is and how it pushes the boundaries. I saw none of that today. I would say that today on Tuesday evening with the with those new iPhones, mm. and yeah, it's a it's a little bit disappointing. I know a lot of people like to throw the joke out there whenever Apple does something weird or 
lackluster that Steve Jobs would be rolling his grave. I can guarantee Steve Jobs would not like what he saw on Tuesday night. Yeah. That would not fly with in, in, in that kind of era. Robin, did it feel uh, to you like, like they were rushing through the announcements as well? Because I felt like they were just 300Ks an hour through every single announcement. Yeah, the thing is, I don't know. The, uh, last year's presentation, um, it felt a bit more hopeful. I, I know it, it's very hard to use that kind of phrasing mm. for a technology event, but this time around, it just felt like, uh, okay, we have to use the phone because we have investors. Um, okay, what can we improve in the shortest amount of time and can get out to market? Okay, let's do all that stuff and then appease the the investors that's what it felt like i, I tend so, to agree yeah. with you I, I really tend to agree with you it, it really feels like this was i mean the other side of this obviously is that there's a worldwide semiconductor and uh uh sorry what's the word uh component shortage um that apple has to contend with and i think that we are seeing that now um i'm pretty sure that i said this maybe at the top of the year that or last year when Apple announced its phones that we'd only start seeing the effects of that component shortage now. Um, and I think that that might be what, what's biting them here is that they can't really innovate as much as maybe they want to and they held back by supply issues. I mean, we don't know because Apple wouldn't say that. Um, but yeah, Clinton, what, what are your thoughts on the, the latest iPhone series? So I know Apple doesn't control leaks and rumors and things like that. I'm sure mm. they would love to control it, but they don't. But I heard a lot of a scuttlebug about uh, always-on displays uh, before this announcement, and uh, that didn't come to pass, did it? No. Yeah, so that was the first. I wouldn't say it was a disappointment, because to be perfectly frank, I couldn't care either way. Um, so that was a, a feature I was expecting to see and didn't. And the other thing is that I want to refer back to myself in another podcast. I can't remember which episode, but... I was kind of saying that I agree with this lack of innovation stuff and whatever the reason is, I think Apple is biding its time to do something big soon. What that big thing is, I have no idea. Is it folding? Is it they're going to get rid of the notch and claim that uh, it was a bad idea all along? Um, <laughs> I, I think they're really planning something big. I don't know if that has anything to do with the pandemic and the component shortages we talked about, but... I think this is another presentation where they're kind of biding their time and they can't say to their fans and their investors, don't buy this one. We got something really cool, you know, in the skunk works. Mm. Again, it, it just confirms what I was thinking. And I think it might have been the last Apple event that we discussed a year ago that I said this. I think they're biding time to do something big. And this was another biding their time set of announcements, including the phone. Um, I also want to talk about the uh, the great parody that Jack's films, Jack Douglas, did of this one. Uh, gave me a good laugh. Um, yeah, it was it was so underwhelming. Um, I didn't get anyone asking should I upgrade to this. Um, yeah, it was it was very underwhelming. I can't believe the notch is still there. I can't believe the charge is still not in the box. I still don't believe that this is going to change filmmaking. Uh, what was the point of watching this? So this all reminds me of the iPhone 3G, I think it was, where the only thing Apple added was the ability to uh, connect via 3G. Um, and I think that at least that was a improvement into that a, a consumer would feel, right, is 
you would be able to access a 3G network and that was all good and well. But now you're getting stuff where, like like, like you mentioned, Clinton, was the, the rumor about an always-on display. I mean, I think even if Apple announced that, they would have probably been ragged for it because how long have Android phones had that sort of feature? I mean, I think it's even now a feature on like the cheapest Samsung phones. Um, so I, I think that they, they – if they even had it, I don't think they did, even though that's just, I think it's more software than anything else. It's just, it's so weird to see Apple flounder like this when you have, uh, like, when they are supposed to be one of the biggest companies in the world and they just release this iterative update to its smartphones uh, and then you have the likes of, like, Samsung with, like, its third generation of folding phones you have xiaomi which is just dominating the market and then apple's like our camera can track you in a video call what is that it really come on like i even just felt like tim cook was sitting there like really embarrassed like oh we got a new iphone and a new this is what we got this is it it's just it's so weird to see one of the superpowers as they were in the tech space flounder so badly you know uh putting aside everything we said probably going to sell a lot and oh of course going to make insane money uh, i remember i think uh, you wrote to brendan they put out their financial reports and they sold many more times uh in uh, many more iPhones than they expected, like hundreds of thousands more than they expected. Mm. And they made massive amounts of back. So, you know, put aside everything we've said, it's not probably not going to affect their bottom line. I, I'm not saying I want it to affect their bottom line maliciously, but I think maybe if they saw a dip in sales, that's say, oh, let's actually do something innovative again, mm. pick these sales back up. So, again, I, I don't wish bad things on anyone, even companies most of the time, but I think maybe if there was a slump in sales, they would actually do something different, which I always love to see. So, yeah, please do something different, but I don't expect anything different to be done. I do think that we maybe I'm putting a bit too much pressure on Apple, because I think, I think this is a wider problem with smartphones at the moment, is that aside from the folding phones, which we've mentioned many times are exorbitantly expensive, um, there hasn't been much innovation in terms of smartphones in the last couple of years. I, I remember like Samsung smacking a, a camera onto the back of their phone and like a friend of mine had that. It was a great camera, but an awful phone. Um, we had like LG, which now long, no longer produces smartphones, trying new stuff. And sure, a lot of that stuff was a miss. Um, but Nowadays, I think everybody's just maybe a bit too scared to take a risk. It's how can we make this phone more affordable? How can we how can we make uh, how can we move more units rather than how can we make something that is going to get the market excited again? And I think Apple did that with the original iPhone, um, and since then it's been running off of that 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 reputation of hey we 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 merged an iPod a computer and a telephone all into one device and now that the rest of the world has kind of started moving moving into different spaces uh they don't really have anything to show what i am interested to see however is what apple does with silicon especially for uh its its macbooks and imacs and uh its mac computers um like the no lies i think 
Robin, you, you mentioned that the, the silicon is probably the most exciting thing here. Um, I, I, I kind of see it as a very iterative update. Of course, I haven't had the phone in my hands. I don't know how well it performs compared to the last, the last years. Um, but in terms of their silicon for their computers, Apple really did knock it out of the park last year. And I, I think nobody will fight me on saying that it is one of the best pieces of silicon out there at the moment. Um, obviously I can't take into account, I'm not taking into account things like server grade processes, that sort of thing. But for consumer chip, I think it's really decent for what it provides. Um, and I'm curious to see how that side of the business progresses and maybe Apple opens up its foundry and does more than just its own notebooks. Although that will never happen because Apple loves to keep things within its own world garden. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm curious to see what happens in the silicone side of things. Maybe Apple is becoming a foundry first and a, a manufacturer second. That would be hell would freeze over over. It would be hilarious. AMD, Intel, and Apple. Feels Three biggest good. chip makers yeah. in the world. So no. to wrap up then, um is anybody gonna buy anything from this or do you want to buy anything that was seen here? Robin? Um only the iPad Mini. Uh, that's the only one that really piqued my interest. Mm. Um, you mentioned that 9K price tag uh, <laughs> will scare me off. So I'll, be, I'll, I'll be doing a bit of saving and maybe treat myself to a nice Christmas gift. And yourself, Clinton? There's nothing to convince me to get into the Apple ecosystem after all this time. There's, yeah. It would have to be, like I said, how would have to freeze over... Or Apple would need to deliver that big thing I think they're working on. There's just nothing to convince me. I'm interested in your second-hand iPads. So uh, if you want to get a new <laughs> iPad, I'll gladly buy your second-hand iPad for a very discounted price. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that's what I'm interested in is second-hand tech because uh, why would I want to pay full price for something that's a little bit worse than uh, an Android solution? Don't fight me, Apple people. It's just a bit of fun. Um, that's going to wrap it up from us. Thank you so much for joining us uh, on this edition of the Africast. Uh, yeah, just really disappointing showing from Apple this year, especially with all the other announcements that we've seen uh, from the likes of Xiaomi and, and Samsung. Just oh, come on, Apple, do better. We know you can. Miss Tim Apple, we know you can do better. We know you can. Um, but thank you so much for joining us. From myself, Brendan Lotz, Cheerio from Clizamatos. Hi, everyone. And from Robin Lee Chetty. Take care, everybody. And once again, thanks to Assist for sponsoring this Africast. Fitted with an array of connectivity options and loaded with cutting-edge technology, the Asus ZenBook 13 OLED is the perfect reason to upgrade. Boasting up to 1TB of PCI 3.0 SSD storage, Wi-Fi 6, and a 10th gen Intel CPU, Asus has ensured your next upgrade can keep up with your busy lifestyle. Experience blazing fast performance with ultra-quiet cooling and military-grade strength, all contained in one 13.9mm package. Get your Asus ZenBook 13 today on www www.assist.com forward slash ZA.